0: welcome to another edition of Bills from Afar podcast. You're with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host Charlie. Charlie, how you doing?
1: Good, yeah. Really getting into the uh, draft mood now, sort of plotting out what else there is to do with uh, prospects and where I'm still, uh, still need to do some bit of research and um, got got a plan to watch uh, draft day, my annual ritual next weekend. So yeah, I'm (laughs) really, really getting excited for this draft now. I think Two weeks today. Two weeks today, yeah, which is, we're recording on Thursday, the, uh, the 14th of, uh, of April, yeah. so yeah, it's not not long to go. Um, I think it's an interesting draft, this. and I hadn't appreciated it at the time, but sort of watching Twitter and stuff, a lot of people have said this is a very deep draft, and I've realized they're right. If I compare it to previous ones where I've done this amount of work, this is a really deep draft, and in most of the positions where we're looking for players, there are players as deep as the third and fourth rounds where you think, yeah, they, they're better than what we've got. So, I think this is it's quite an exciting draft this because the bills could go in so many different ways and um, yeah I'm just excited to to finish off my my draft prep and get into it. How about how about you? How are things with you?
0: Yeah, no, it's going well. Um, I've got to the one hundred player mark on my evaluations. I hope to get to at least like four full rounds worth of players. Um, they'll vary I suppose we, we don't know they're not going to go in the top four rounds some will slide and you know some of them might even be undrafted at the end of the day but uh, that's where I'm at with the process I'm just working through defeat, defensive position groups now so cornerback I've got a pretty good handle on um, but linebacker and safety, I'm going to lean on you on that just because I haven't got to those positions as yet. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying the process. Um, I feel like, as you said, like this draft, you know, a lot, a lot of people are saying, you know, it's not top heavy. You know, there's not the, you know, blue chip prospects in this draft. You know, I think Aiden Hutchinson, the consensus, like number one overall pick. You know, he's a high floor player, but he's not going to be. You know, an elite edge, edge, edge rusher. There's, he's not going to be a Miles Garrett or you know, Bosa brothers or anything like that. But you look at the draft class as a whole and it's like probably the most uh, athletic and physically like, imposing uh, set of players um, yeah, it's, it's a good in terms middle, of the draft class. Yeah, yeah if, there's if there's some... the top
1: end isn't super high, especially quarterbacks as well, we can throw into the mix, but the middle bit... Second, third, fourth round feels pretty good quality.
0: It's record breaking when you look at the um, you know explosive uh, testing, the, the jumps, and then the, the forty yard times as well. So there's tremendous amount of athletes. We know that the Bills they like their you know traits, guys. We you know the size, speed. Uh, athletic profiles so there's definitely opportunities there I feel like you know to get some really good players of value like, you know like Spencer Browns of the world you know he, he scored tremendously uh, last year I feel like those kind of guys could definitely play for the Bills this year so and have an impact as well like he did last year so no it, it, it's it proves to be quite an exciting draft I think uh, in, in two weeks time there's a lot of guys I do quite like um, yeah one so, of the the reasons, of course, is that, you know, with players opting
1: out during the COVID years in college, they decide to maybe have another year in college. And um, and so yes. there's sort of almost like a double bubble of, of, of players that, uh, that are coming, coming out and uh,
0: eligible for this draft. And that's the other thing. There's some guys here that are 25, that will be 25 in their rookie seasons, you know, which is pretty, um, you know, you, that's unprecedented. You don't really see that too often in the draft classes. You know, the age ranges are anywhere between like 20 and 23 24 um but yeah there's going to be some age 25 guys purely because of that one season of covid um which they, they couldn't join the draft early you know they had to kind of wait that season out so um yeah it's going to be a lot of older guys including there's some older guys in this cornerback class as well that uh we'll talk about so we're going to continue with our positional review and
1: we're going to be looking at cornerback probably most heavily, and we'll also touch on linebackers' safety, as, as Tim mentioned a moment ago. Um, you know, what we'll do is we'll just talk through the sort of reasoning why we think this is a position of need, um, where we think the sweet spot is, as we did last last time uh, for the Bills, in terms of where we think they might be drafting that position, and then we'll run through our, our prospects, you know, our top-end guys, people that we think might be realistic options, and then maybe some late-round options if we, if we see them. Um, so great, so let's kick off with cornerback. Uh, Tim, w- w- I mean... I think this was well discussed and I think we touched on it before. Let's just remind everybody why we think cornerback is such a critical position and maybe a position that we might go um, uh, pick 25, your first round overall. Where, where do you, what's the reasoning behind this cornerback thing so critical for the Bills this, this draft?
0: Because we project to have Cam Lewis and Dane Jackson as our outside corners. So, <laughs> you know, I think they, you know, are optimised based on the scheme and, you know, the coaching that they receive, you um, but obviously, that talent, you know, it needs to be improved. You know, Tre Davis White. We don't know how long he's going to be out. I suspect he's out for at least the first half of next season. Uh, we need more options there. I was going to ask you, based on the uh, the room that we've got currently, like how many do you think we can see, like drafted or you know, a veteran sign in? Like how how many corners do we need? Do we need like one, two, three? Like in your opinion? So I
1: think we certainly need two. Um, yeah. At least I think we need a high round pick. I'm talking about sort of top 100 player, and I think we need a veteran um, because, as you said, with um, Travis White's injury, we obviously don't know how long he's going to be before he gets back. You know, we might have some really critical divisional games in the that first month of the season um, where we we have to um, deal without him. Uh, we might be going up against fantastic pass offenses if we look at the the schedule. We've got some some good quarterbacks on our. Um, on our list this year, that we're going to be, uh, that we're going to be playing against um, the likes of Aaron Rodgers, the likes of um, Patrick Mahomes. You know, if we have those kind of teams early on in the season, um, we, we're going to need that that coverage. So I think we need a veteran. I think we need an early round pick. And I could even see us maybe double dipping with a later round pick as well. Some some developmental um, if the if the board falls to us. But I certainly think we need to. Um, good. All right. So let's get into it. And. Um, where's the sweet spot for this draft? I mean, from my perspective, there's really quite a lot of cornerback depth all the way through, certainly well into the fourth round. Um, yeah. I think that there are, and it's quite evenly distributed. So I've got, you know, four, four players, with sort of first round ranks, four with second round ranks, four with third round ranks. Now I'm not saying all of these would be perfect for the bills, but just in terms of, you know, looking at, Um, The variety of different perspectives out there and also my own assessments it feels fairly evenly spaced and they've got a whole Mm -hmm. lot of fourth round guys as well before the sort of talent starts to run out now what's interesting and I know you've been doing these mock drafts as well is that the way that those cornerbacks are distributed at least um, on the draft network is they're all either at the top of the middle of the first and then top of the second so essentially in places where the bills are not picking so there's very rarely does a top round prospect fall to the Bills at 25. Very rarely does a second round prospect fall to the Bills at um, in the second round. Now, occasionally you get one or two. And of course, there's a big difference between what a mock draft machine can turn out and what um, actually happens on on, on draft nights. And it could heavily depend on how many quarterbacks are taken, how many edge rushers are taken. But it seems that there is good depth, even if we get into the third and fourth round. What's your take in terms of the the sweet spot for the Bills? Where do you think they might end up actually drafting a corner?
0: Yeah, completely agree. I think if we just sit there and wait at 25, I think we'll be disappointed. You know, we might have to reach a little bit for a Kyler Gordon or Roger McCreary um, or someone of that, 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 that stature, really. Uh, I feel like, you know, if we want to get one of these elite cornerbacks, we'll have to trade up. Depending on you know who falls uh, you know there's like four or five top guys you've got your Derek Stingley's your Source Gardner your Andrew Booth uh, you've got Trent Duffy Duffy. Uh, they're the like main four guys and I feel like if you're gonna you know be uh, you know comfortable if you you need like one of those guys um, to feel comfortable like starting you know, week one of, of next season. Um, depends how much you want to pay. I'm certainly, you know, not, not a proponent. I'm not advocating to give up our first round for Nick, first round pick next season. Um, but if there's a, a slight trade-up we can make to get an Andrew Booth Jr., then uh, that, that'd be the dream, really. I can't see any of those guys just falling to us. So
1: let's say the cost was trade a second-round pick to get up to one of those guys.
0: Do you do it? Yeah, yeah. I think that'd probably get us like maybe seventeen or something like that, yeah. eighteen. And that might be enough to be honest, because not all I, I don't see all four of them going, you know, if I pick fifteen, you know. I think two or three might, but there's gonna be one of them that's gonna be available at the late teens. Um it's it, it's interesting because I think I said on the last podcast with uh, the you know, it's quite a lot of wide receiver. Needy teams ahead of us, mm. so there There's could also be, all wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there could be a trade partner there. There could be someone that's, you know, Brandon Bean's got a good relationship with that. You know, be quite happy trading back a little bit. You know, for a second round pick because they could use a twenty-five and our second round pick to get that type of guy, uh, uh, a wide receiver, Jahan Dotson, or whoever they think will be there at 25. So, you know, there's an opportunity there. There are some cornerbacks that are, like, further down, like on day two and day three. Um, I don't necessarily think they've got the upside to be a CB1, but I think they could be very solid CB2s, you know, starting yeah uh, day one interesting to get into that because i think there are some traits you guys later on
1: but i kind of agree i mean you know <laughs> as as people that are staying up half the night to watch the draft it's a bit depressing thinking about the prospect of the bills trading out of the first round to down into maybe the top of the second but actually if if they are if they agree with us that actually cornerback is absolutely critical and they trade down into the second to go for perhaps a roger mccreary I'd kind of go for that. I think you pick up a a nice um, middle round draft pick, probably a third or something to do that. And then you tr- trade up later um, out of the sort of six and the, maybe the, the fifth rounds to um, to get back into the sort of the bottom of the third. That's going to give you a lot more options. And there is a lot of depth in this in the middle of this draft. Um, maybe I'll ask you a slightly different question would you reach for anybody that sort of currently ranks as a sort of second round? I mean, at the top of my board, I've got Roger McCreary as the sort of the top yeah. of the sort of second round ranked guys. Would you reach for Roger McCreary? Do you think he's worth it? I think on the draft network, he's ranked as the 39th best player, foot um, 190, yeah. um, you know, really well-rounded uh, corner, you know, quick guy, great ball skills, good impressed man coverage as well as, it got a great record with past breakups. Do you see him as somebody who would be worth reaching for or anybody else in that? sort of second-round
0: rank? I think the only one I'd be prepared to reach on would be Kyler Gordon, just because he's a bit more versatile. Roger McCreary, he admitted himself at the Senior Bowl that he's not taken any reps, um, like zone coverage reps. You know, he solely played man at Auburn. So, you know, there's going to be an acclimation period. Like, there is full of these players, but especially Roger McCreary, if he's only played man coverage snaps and, you know, he's got no uh, education in playing zone coverage then again i'll keep saying it but i'll say it again you know um the Bills, the organization, the coaching, the scheme, you know, we've got the best guys around to teach whoever, whichever cornerback is selected to play how we want them to play. You know, we've seen it with Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace being late round and undrafted guys that we can bring these guys into our system and you know optimise their um performances. So yeah, you, you certainly could. I wouldn't advocate for Roger McCreary, though. If we were to get him, I'd probably wait for you know, day two. But Kyler Gordon, I feel like he's got versatility. He's really good at tracking routes as well. He's got, you know, good good route recognition. Um, he tested better uh, or worse than I expected. Uh, you watch his film and he made a interception on the sideline against in one of the games last season, but he must have left a good 40 inches. You know, it's a pretty remarkable... Um, interception but he didn't test very well and we yeah. saw with Gabriel Davis they quite like the guys that don't test well but you can yeah. see they've got functional athleticism it's on different the field film film speed and film exactly. performance and actual
1: testing and the Bills have had a. Um, I think they have spoken to him um yeah. so I don't think he's one of their top 30 interview guys but they have spoken to him um so that's an interesting angle um maybe a slightly different question then With regard to this, uh, this cornerback depth, I think there's also a perspective that, and you you mentioned it a moment ago, is that this Bills coaching staff backs themselves to develop players, backs themselves to take somebody that perhaps um, is raw, that has traits, Mm -hmm. and turn them into, you know, a high-performing person, especially in this uh, defensive backfield. Yeah. So, we could be in a situation where Brandon Bean feels no compunction at all to trade down or trade up, but actually let the ball board fall to him, take a you know a, a guard in the in the first round or a wide receiver, and just wait and still wait to see a, a you know a cornerback pop up. On the basis that also we would like to hope that our defensive line is in quite a bit improved over last season with the additions of Ron Miller and obviously the improvements to defensive tackle. Um, you know, development in people like Greg Rousseau. You know, there's always this debate: coverage versus um, pers- versus pass rush. If our pass rush is, rush is better, we can afford to allow a bit more time for a cornerback to develop. Um, what, what's your take on that? Could you could you see a scenario where maybe we don't pick a, a cornerback until the third or even fourth round? And I mean, Bills' Mafia be losing their mind, no doubt. But you know, we back this this coaching staff to develop players. Could you imagine something like that happening?
0: Well, it happened last season, didn't it? Absolutely. Like, I don't think anyone expected, um, well, maybe they expected two edge rushes in in last season's class, but no one expected the two tackles. You know, we all thought we were set there with uh, Deion Dawkins and Dal Williams. You know, they seemed to be locked in, you know, long term, and yet they still drafted two tackles. So I really don't think position wise, um, you know, they're, you know, I think they're, premium position-based. I think cornerback is a premium position, mm-hmm. but they also allow the ball to fall to, to them. If, they, if they've got a high level of confidence based on their research uh, on a particular player, then they're quite happy to take the player regardless of what position they play and, you know, where what our needs are, you know, or what our perceived needs are, you know, Brandon Bean's perceived needs are going to be different to what Bill's Mafia's needs are. So yeah, absolutely. I've done it myself, like in my mock, like, because I'm, I'm still pretty confident that they will bring a more experienced bet in. I don't know who that is going to be. I think it sounds like from what we're hearing on social media from like reporters that a lot of the guys, you know, Stefan Gilmore's of the world, they're, they're kind of waiting it out and see what happens post draft. Mm. And, you know, if the Bills don't draft, you know, a top level corner, if they only draft one corner, then they'll absolutely be, be be bringing a, a vet in. so And they have the cap space now with the restructure of Diggs' contract. Yeah, um, I think they've got about so, 6 million, haven't they? So yeah. there's potential there, just a one-year deal um, for a more established veteran. And I wouldn't be surprised by that, no. And, but, uh, let's uh, yeah. get into Go some on. of these players then.
1: Um, yeah. we, we've touched on kind of the top four guys very briefly Who's your favorite? I mean, there's Derek Stingley, there's Andrew Booth Jr., the Source Gardner, Trent McDuffie. These are all currently round one ranked guys. Um, I'm Trent McDuffie is a bit of a question mark. You know, there's a lot of talk about whether he's, he's got these short arms, but otherwise an excellent, excellent player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always think it's interesting how people see first round picks. And I'm of the opinion that you, you want a first round pick to have the potential to be an all pro. You want them to be a starting player pretty much week one. Um, you want them to be pretty much the fir- the finished article. Um, it, who's your favourite out of those four? Who would you pick if you if you're given the choice?
0: Only if they. I- they fell to 25. I picked Derek Stingley Jr. That's not going to happen because the pedigree, um, you know, of him as an athlete as well, you know, 2019, the LSU championship season, mm-hmm. he was probably a best defensive player in college and he was a freshman. So he's had two He has had some injuries, hasn't he? So there is He's a chance had injuries. He might drop. Um, I don't think it, it isn't going to be within range. You know, we're going to have to give so up either. a lot. He's going to be gone by top, you know, Twelve 10, picks. I yeah, think Vikings, yeah. I I can't see them letting him slip. Um, he's so talented. I know he's had the injuries um, and I don't think that would prevent, I know we've said it in the last episode, I made a point that the Bills don't seem to select these guys that have injury histories um, previously. But I think it's more why I don't think he'd be picked by McDermott and uh, Bean would be just like... <sighs> The desire, I I feel like just he, he didn't show, like, he didn't play 100%. And that's not just because of injuries, you know, there's plays that he gave up you know in the last two seasons he was kind of just waiting for the draft it felt like you know he got his stock yeah. in the 2019 season then they had you know the, the coach left um really quickly after that championship season and you know all the guys had moved on to the NFL he was the only guy left behind almost you know from that championship season so um he was going through the motions it was the injuries and go for emotions so if he was there i'd absolutely pick him his, his ball skills you know what he showed in 2019 is insane that ceiling you know he could be a top five corner uh yeah. in, in the nfl if he you know so
1: it's interesting he's actually third on my list of those four okay. um but because of the injuries and because of the fact his best season was was three years ago i absolutely agree his his ceiling is higher than any other player yeah but i feel uh, that it's it's Less likely that, uh, you know, being a would draft him simply because of those, yeah. those reasons. Um, I've actually got Andrew Brew Jr. as my top rank, very yeah. close with Source Garden. Yeah. I mean, any of those three, yeah. Yeah. any of those four, including Trent McDuffie, I'd be delighted with, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's fine margins. I, if, if I had my absolute pick, it would be Andrew Brew Jr. that I'd go ahead.
0: I get that. Andrew Booth's my second, just um, above Source Gardner. I just loved uh, the urgency, like how quick he was able, you know, to come downhill and tackle. It's aggressive, isn't he? And yeah, and well, his ball skills. He made yeah. some fantastic interceptions. I think. And and his he looks bigger than six foot. Like he he's, he's stocky, you he's know. Two hundred pounds, isn't he? Pounds. Yeah, he's on you the, can the, see the higher it. end of uh, of cornerback weight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I just loved how he triggered downhill and broke up plays. And I think in zone he's got experience in zone. He's not got loads of experience in college. I think uh, only this season he's really you know started and played games. But um, I think you know with the upside there and what he's shown in those limited snaps, absolutely, I'd be delighted if he fell to us at twenty-five. And the Bills have had a
1: meeting with him, so clearly is somebody. Yes, um, yeah, it was top sort of one of the the thirty meetings was one of which was with Andrew Brew Jr.
0: I was going to ask you this at some point. I was thinking about leaving it up until the end, but you brought it up about visits and stuff. Mm. Like we, we touched on it some of the, the the guys that they brought in, you know, they brought in a couple of safeties that we'll, we'll get onto shortly. They brought in some tight ends that clearly aren't considered by Bill's Matthews top positions of needs. Do you feel like they're like genuine visits uh, or do you feel like it's more of a smoke screen? Like they're trying to like balance Burma yeah. visits per position groups to not give Good other questions. teams intel. Yeah.
1: Okay, so here's my take, and it is just my take. Um, I'm sure there's people far wiser than me that, that have yeah. uh, more, more info, but here's my take. I think the visits are a tiebreaker for players that they think they might be interested in, but aren't sure about or they haven't had time with in the past. Equally, I think sometimes they use visits for people that they're interested in maybe as bringing in as undrafted free agents towards the end. So sometimes you'll see a a visit for a guy who's like, you know, obviously going to be an undrafted free agent. And I think they're trying to check him out. Like what, what they probably haven't scouted him and they're trying to see, is it, is there a chance? So you get a really weird mix of visits yeah. and interviews, but remember an awful lot of the work is already done. You know, the players that they like that they want, they will have already spoken to scouts. will have already spoken to well before the draft process. You know, they will have been tracking these guys some of these guys for for three, or four years. Um, so I think, it's more of like a tiebreaker in my mind. So often I see, um, if, if you look at the spread of where the visits happen, if fact, so for example, let's look at cornerbacks, right? Um, people that they've spoken to, chatted to at the combine or had visits with, currently, as I've got on my list, is one, two, three, four, six, six cornerbacks. And there's a couple of guys that are quite high up, Andrew B. Jr. and Trent McDuffie. There's a couple of guys in the middle, uh, Kyler Gordon and Tarek uh, Woolen. And there's Monteric Brown, also in a sort of third round prospect. And then there's a guy towards the end, Josh Williams. Now, if you think about it, it makes sense that what that tells me is there's definitely interest in taking a cornerback in the first three rounds. Because they put effort into talking to and having meetings with uh, players that are ranked in those areas. Um, what I also spot is Josh Williams, small school guy, right? Um, Tracy as hell might be incredibly undervalued he's the sort of guy that maybe they haven't spent a lot of time scouting they see the traits they see the testing and think we should probably check this guy out because if he is available in the fourth he might be an absolute bargain so i think there's a story behind each one but as i said i, I think primarily i don't necessarily think they waste visits on sports screens i think that they're precious i think they're very interested in character anyway let's take a slight step back what what what's the archetype that being in mcdermott draft? it's high traits guys that also have, that have you know, really high upside, but also have the character to work yeah. and develop. Yeah. Now, how do you judge that? You can, you can look at the testing, you can watch the film and you'll, you'll get a sense of the player, but how do you judge the character? And I think that that's what they use these interviews and these, these chats for um, is to judge that character. So I don't see it as being a smoke screen in the main, maybe there's one or two here and there. I think, they're using it to work out where are the fringe guys. You know, if it comes to it, would we take this person or not? So let's just get that a quick check. Or is it an undrafted or late round person that might be available? We know that we you know we lost several of our draft picks last year. Um, uh, you know, on, from the practice squad, we know we might have to draft people because undrafted free agents are just simply not going to join the Bills. They know they're not going to get a chance, so we might have to draft to draft people late. So yeah, I think that's that's how they're using it. Is that that's a combination of two things.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so let's
1: talk about some more players. Uh, we talked about the first round guys. Um, I, I think there's a really interesting group of players. I don't know how you found it, but very rarely has um, Roger McCreary, Kyler Gordon, Tarek woolen been available to me um, when I've been looking yeah. at the second round. Yeah. Um, Kea Elam sometimes available at the end of the first, almost always gone very early on in the foot th- in the second. So I'm often looking at the sort of third round guys, going on to Taylor's, Cam Taylor, Brits, Monte Eric Browns, those kind of players. Where you know who I think these are perhaps more realistic prospects. If we assume the bills aren't trading up or down to get those players that are ranked in those first or first two, you know, sort of first starts, uh, 60 or so positions, who do you think's <coughs> a realistic prospect if we don't trade up or down based upon you know, what we're seeing through mock drafts right now?
0: Yeah, I think you're definitely right. I think rounds four and they're uh, three and four are like the sweet spot for the like second, like, tier of cornerbacks. Because as you said, none of them fall till fifty seven. Uh, for fifty seven, you do have to uh, reach if you're going to select a corner there. And uh, we know that that's something that they won't do. This uh, a few players in my mind like that I've got. You know really high grades on, uh, like second round grades that I think will still be there in the third round potentially, so it could be good values. Um, the first one, who's one of my guys that I like way above like the consensus, is um, who you mentioned, the third guy, Monterey Brown from Arkansas yes. Razorbacks.
1: I like him a lot as well, outside Jeez. guy,
0: absolute ball hawk. I thought he was a source gardener like from just purely a technique perspective. He's not got the size, he's not got the athleticism of a source gardener. But when you watch him, how he has, like, what I call soft hands. So, when mm-hmm. he's in man coverage, he's able to keep his eye on the quarterback, but he knows where the wide receiver is going based on how he's feeling. The wide receiver, and it's not, I call it soft hands because he's not grabby, he's not one of these aggressive corners that will, you know, be susceptible to holding um, or pass interference penalties. Sorry, he'll be, you know, a soft hand so he can understand where the wide receiver is going without bringing them down or, you know, being overly physical. Um, And he makes some really good players on the ball. He's an SEC cornerback. So he came up against, you know, the likes of Alabama and he he played really well against like John Mechie, for example. Um, Just a really high IQ player, high floor. I think he'll be day one, a good CB2. And I think he could be a very good CB2. And that's kind of what we need. And that's what you can expect to get uh, in the third or fourth round. Is that? Yeah. I think the I mean, only reason
1: he's he's currently ranked as a sort of round three kind of player is simply the quantity of players, of cornerbacks yeah. above him. I think that's the reason because I think he's undervalued as well. I really liked him. I felt that he's, the best way I can make he's very well rounded, he does everything pretty well. And
0: yeah. that's the sort of guy you can imagine McDermott loving. Um, and again, he's had, a, he had average testing. He's, he's an average athlete. But when you watch him, he's able to keep up with receivers. I think um, he's um, athletic enough. Yeah, he's yeah, athletic exactly. enough. He plays, yeah. he plays quicker than he tests. Yeah. yeah. Give me a guy like that than Tariq Wallen, who just doesn't have any idea of route concepts and gets blown, you know, beaten every single snap, you know. Yeah, he's Maybe got the she- makeup speed, but... To be that a, kind of guy for
1: people that perhaps aren't so familiar, Tarek Willens an absolute beast, right? He's he's six foot four, he's 205 pounds, yeah. he's got all the traits, however, he's incredibly raw. Um yeah. however, the, the bean has drafted these kind of guys before, Gregory Rousseau. Yeah, that 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 described Gregory Rousseau. He also had some Injuries concerns. You definitely have to consider him to be a developmental guy. I think he, he converted to cornerback um just last year, so he's one year of experience.
0: Yeah, he's played 19 games. So 2019, he played one game. 2020 2020, and 2021, he was full-time cornerback. So he's played 19 college games. Um, and it made me laugh, actually, because he's, like a lot of his prospects, they have their own YouTube pages and they put together their own highlight reels. So when I was looking him up, I found that. It's a two-minute video. About one minute 40 of it is him coming downhill and tackling. (laughs) (laughs) None of it's coverage snaps. And there was a game uh, Western Kentucky, it's against and he just gets beaten just physically at the line. And he, he he has the most six four and two two or five. He shouldn't be yeah. getting beaten on the line, right? And clearly, he's got the athleticism to get back. But the most disappointing about, thing about that is he did have that athleticism, but he allowed it to mm. him to squirt a touchdown. He could have got back and stopped him at maybe for five yard line, but he, he allowed him to go by. So I'm really not high on two equals. He's he's the if, kind of guy that if he dropped to the fourth. Yes. And he might, yep. then he'd be brilliant value
1: as a yep. sort of take a flyer, develop this guy because he could be an amazing, but it would be a
0: massive risk as well. I wouldn't take him at even 57, you know, third round no, no. maybe, yeah. but not first, no way first, not second, third or fourth maybe. But yeah, he's just extremely raw. Yeah. So um, yeah, anyway, Monterey Brown, he's like the top guy. Uh, in my rankings uh, as that like next tier cornerback that could be available Monty free of three. Yeah, I really like Monterey Brown as well. I think it's a really great shout. Um what's
1: your take on Cam Taylor britt A lot of buzz around that guy. Yeah. Um yeah. I have him as uh I mean, I've got him Alonso Taylor and Monterey Brown all very close as sort of um you know high third round prospects.
0: Yeah. He's the Bills Mafia cornerback sweetheart, isn't he? He replaces Ifetu Meloformu. Shout out to Saul <laughs> on that one. Um, he replaces him from last season, you know. Um, I get it. You know, he makes impact plays. He always seems to be around the ball. Um, in his first couple of seasons at Nebraska, I think he was, wasn't he? It was not Wisconsin. Nebraska, yeah. Nebraska, yeah. 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 Um, at Nebraska, he did play safety. Um, there, and then this season he's played cornerback. He plays like a strong safety, doesn't he? He plays like those downhill, aggressive tackling guys. That's where I see him more suited. I feel like his change of direction, how he turns his hips, I don't think it's cornerback calibre. Clearly, he's a versatile athlete. Uh, because he has played safety, he's played corner. He's even returned as well. He's he's played, he's had return snaps. So that's an option there, potentially as a returner, you know, he it's quite, build it's quite,
1: He's quite versatile, given his sort of body shape. Um, yeah. Probably like,
0: ideally
1: my outside corner to be slightly, uh, slightly longer than he is. Um, but he's, he's kind of an intriguing prospect, isn't he? He's, there's yeah, something about but, him. He's good to watch on film.
0: I wouldn't want to pigeonhole him as a cornerback. I feel like he's more, he, he can play, you know, he can play in a slot, he could play uh,
1: mm.
0: in a box as a strong safety, as you said. I feel like safety is probably his more. You know, where, a, where a big he, nickel. You think maybe, yeah, yeah, potentially. Obviously, Taron Johnson. We don't really need that, but you know, that doesn't hurt having that flexibility if we were to select him. Sure, uh, sure. So yeah, maybe, but he's not like a perimeter cornerback that I'm looking at uh, in my mind. A couple of other guys at that range. Mario Goodridge who yes, played opposite like it. Andrew like Booth. Him. He's quite high, high on my board. Pretty solid all round. Uh, Zion McCollum as well who Division 1 A. So it's not quite Division 1 but he's like the most, he's got the best athletic profile uh, in this class. He's also incredibly long positions. as well. He's
1: six foot 4 I'm not sure he's a Bills guy and the reason I say that is I think He's he's not great attack not a great tackler um, and I think that this is something that I think McDermott wants in his cornerbacks he wants them to be really excellent tacklers and I'm just not sure he's got that.
0: I think out of uh, like traity guys I think he's more of a Bills player than Tariq Willen is just from what I've seen from Zion McCollum I thought. You know, yeah you, yeah you may you may be right I think yeah I think we I, I personally dismiss both of them as being mm. um, people that. Know, are, the... Yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say one other guy that I, I quite like, uh, Martin Emerson as well. Um, really good in zone. Uh, a bigger guy. He's got length. I think he's at least. I think he's like thirty-three and a half inch arms, which is fantastic. Um, you know, big guy as well and stature. Um, really good zone. He's not great. You know, turn his back and you know he's only four-five speed. Uh, you know, so he's not a great man cover corner. But we predominantly you know play you know seventy-five percent zone anyway. So I don't yeah. really see it as a problem. But I quite liked him.
1: I, I, I can't see him being a McDermott guy. I'm not quite so high on him. I just think I would like a more athletic guy at uh, my CB2 uh, just to yeah. give us more options and, um, I, if I was given the choice, I'd probably go for a Mario Goodrich or a Josh Williams instead of, yeah. of, of, of someone like Dan McCullum. Um Have you much, much... Well, it's hard to find tape on Josh Williams. So he's a small school guy yeah. from Fayetteville State, uh, but has all the traits. Um, I've done 18 Corners, and he's not one of them, actually. It, okay. so, <laughs> right. yeah. well, I, it's, it's hard to find film on him, if I'm honest, uh, yeah. simply because he is a small school guy. But I, do, I found bits and pieces, and... Um, yeah, I always find it hard to judge small school guys because on one hand you could say, well, they're not going up against opposition of the same standard, but it's, it's sometimes cornerback plays cornerback play, you know. And and um, you know, you can you can you can see a good quality player. I think he's a really interesting prospect. I think he would be developmental guy for sure, but he's got on oh, all the traits. He's long. He's athletic. He's got great ball production. Um, yeah, he's currently ranks as a sort of fourth round prospect um, on the. Um, on the draft network, but I think he's, he's really intriguing. And I found if if I'm struggling to draft a corner in the first three on the mocks, I quite often go for Josh Williams uh, in the fourth because I feel like he's he's a he, he would appeal to to Bean. Good. Anyone else you wanna you wanna mention? You think think's worth speaking about?
0: Um, let's have a quick look. I don't think oh one player. I don't think he's a Bills fit, I think he's purely a nickel. But have you watched Marcus Jones out of Houston? I have. So I think he's a slot. Um,
1: yeah, he's slot pretty short. That it size, he's has got to eight. Be a slot only. <laughs> so, yeah. and so I don't think
0: he's he's what we need, but he's very dynamic. His film, um, you know, it's so funny. He's, he's a playmaker. He's a football player. And he played on offense as well as a wide receiver. And he yep. returned nine... Um, punts and kicks for touchdowns, so he's probably the and, best returner in the class.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a very good point. Actually, we could could we see him drafted as a as purely a, a returner, as a pure, or as a pure returner with a bit of with a backup slot? Uh, I I don't, I don't think he think will so. because yeah. I think he'll go. I think someone of that four. of that type. You know, essentially niche player. You'd be taking him in the fifth and sixth round, not in the yeah. fourth, which is where he'll probably go. But he's very dynamic, makes plays, aggressive, very quick. Like it, you know, for the people listening out there, go watch film on Marcus Jones. It's a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just too short to uh, to to be relevant, I think. For the and build. if we're and if we're going to draft him, uh, if we wanted him as a purely returner, he's not going to make it because someone's going to value him as a slot, and he'll probably go three or four. Yeah, um, because he is a good slot player. Um, but it's just for size, you know, yeah. you, you, you just can't really have that no indeed um, at next level. But he's fun.
1: Good. Well, we've, we've covered a lot of ground there in terms of corners. And, yes. um, you know, I think we, we've spent quite a bit of time on them and hopefully people realise that it simply because I think this is such a cru- crucial position for the Bills. Um, we really do need to solve this cornerback problem. Um, we've been probably crying out for a cornerback for the last, last couple of drafts, really. Um, and it seems that the numbers game are going to make it critical we can also tell from the visit spread it looks like the bills are also very interested in getting a corner it's not just uh not just bills mafia talk um so should we move on to um safeties and and linebackers where do you yeah
0: shall we start with linebackers so you mentioned there that you know we talked about visits and the fact we've had a few cornerbacks to visit i think we've had a few linebackers uh visit as well um or we've actually had virtual um, meetings we have a couple of meetings had, yep. yeah yeah meetings with so clearly so we start from the top so why do you think it's a need for the bills like do, do you think it's a position we will draft and draft high or so, so there's two ways this can play out um mm. i think there's one that's more likely than the
1: other but yep. i think both are worth just just pondering on the first one is we need a replacement for our third linebacker um well i think we do maybe the bills don't agree um We've lost AJ Klein, um, who actually did contribute quite well, especially in the yeah. downhill, just go get the ball game. Where When we were play- needing to play more base, more three-linebacker sets, he was brought in, and I think certainly his second season was better than his first, and I think he contributed quite effectively. Now, we do have a few guys who are pretty much just contributing on special teams at the moment, um, who perhaps the Bills see as, as that option. But if they don't... Then I can see them drafting a linebacker, probably you know mid to mid to late rounds, probably you know no higher than third, probably more likely fourth or fifth round. Yeah. Second scenario is <laughs> that they're worried about being able to afford Tremaine Edmonds, and there's obviously a lot of chat at the moment. We just pay Digs, you know, Poyer's desperate for a new contract. You can't pay everybody. Um, do they try to get an alternative middle linebacker and maybe trade Tremaine Edmonds? or maybe even next season trade Tremaine Edmonds and try and get a replacement. I think that's less likely. I think they absolutely love Tremaine Edmonds and I think Mm. that he's an absolute physical freak and almost impossible to, um, to replace. Actually, we got a question uh, from one of the listeners about about this is, is there somebody that you would think of that could be a developmental guy who could replace Tremaine Edmonds, you know, come bring him in for, for a season, then maybe pick up the fifth year option on Tremaine, but kind of be, Essentially, trying to replace him, um, and there is a guy. Well, I think the closest guy that I can find is Troy Anderson. Um, Very high raz, very athletic, long, versatile, great tackler. He still needs a bit of development, especially versus the run. Um, he's a <laughs> yeah, really interesting history. He's played a bit of running back, he's played a bit of cornerback. He's now a linebacker and successfully
0: as well. He yeah. won
1: awards, didn't he? At absolutely, State, playing absolutely. Those so. so, kind of fascinating player. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good in coverage, you know, long 6'4", as I said, probably could do with a bit more bulk. He's 233 at the moment, but, you know, he's got incredibly high RAS. I think he's one of the highest um, relative athletic scores in the draft. So currently ranked by the um, uh, the draft network in the sort of late third round. Um, yeah. Eight, I, I seven. Yeah, I, I could that, – that, that would be a signal if they went for Troy Anderson that they're considering – um, replacing Tremaine Edmonds. Personally, I think it's unlikely. I think instead what they'll probably do is go for a mid to late round guy, you know, late day two, early day three, who can maybe develop into that AJ Klein role. You know, we never really, you know, we. we we don't really play an awful lot of baseline backer sets, but we mm. do have some teams, you know, in the AFC that, that, that play heavy, heavy amounts of run. We've got to play the Titans again. <laughs> you know, we obviously yeah. know what the Colts are all about these days. There are some teams that traditionally we have struggled a little against, against maybe they see these improvements on the defensive line to be able to deal with that. Um, but yeah, as I said, I think there's two scenarios where we draft the linebacker, And I think the first one's more likely. So I don't personally see us drafting one early. However, there are some pretty exciting guys. If the
0: board fell to us, someone like a Chad Moomer um, could be very attractive to them. Mm. There's a little bit of chat. So I was going to ask you about this. So um, I can't remember which mock draft it was. It could be Daniel Jeremiah or Peter Schrager that put out um, Quay Walker. Um, mm. Who's a linebacker from Georgia? Who's nearly six foot four? You know, fits that Edmonds Pick, archetype. Picked him in
1: the first round, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, this yeah, talk about
0: him going <laughs> in the first round potentially, like one of these guys that isn't like being picked in the first round in, in a lot of mocks. Um, you know, these guys are informed that, that 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 know the front offices. They're saying he will get drafted in the first. So, oh. if he gets drafted in the first, and he seems he's got the you know Tremaine Edmonds build and you know the Uber athleticism, you know, could that signal something actually happening with Tremaine Edmonds? There's been talk about using him um with pick 25 to try and get up to you know pick seven with the Giants for example which I just as you said I just can't see it happening but there seems to be a little bit of smoke. I don't think yeah. there's necessarily fire there. But so let, let me talk about Kirk Quay Walker for a little bit. Firstly I really yeah. like the player
1: um he's yeah. 6'3", he's two forty one you know, not quite the athletic freak that Troy Anderson is, but, you know, he's got a good length, um, you know, can play. Uh, Mike, good against the run, good in zone coverage, very disciplined, which is perhaps one thing that Tremaine Edmonds has not always been perfect at. He doesn't miss tackles. Um, very good in the blitz. He's athletic. He can play anywhere, basically. However, he has pretty limited uh, time, play time in college, and that you can tell. You know, he just doesn't necessarily have the instincts um, that perhaps a more experienced player would have. He doesn't have the awareness. Again, that's something that we perhaps criticised uh, train Edmonds for in the past, um, taking a little bit too long to diagnose diagnose plays. Um, I really like him. I think if if the Bills drafted him, that would be fantastic. I think the first round is way too early. Um, I don't have. I don't think this this, this linebacker cast is especially. Deep in the early rounds. I mean, I've got a couple of first round ranked guys, a couple of second-round ranked guys. I've actually got Kay Walker and Troy Anderson ranked as early day three, sorry, early round three players. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, not for me. I think that what why would you do that? You know, in terms of draft for, for, from a draft value perspective, I'd weight on Troy Anderson if I was desperate for a for a linebacker that was a physical freak. Um, you know, yes, there are some developmental areas for both, but I think I'd rather have the 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 more uh, the higher ceiling player and have him deeper in the draft because we don't have you know I suppose we wanted we decide right we're going to cut bait on Tremaine Edmonds. we we've got him for another season and I think we've got him for we could we could um, we could franchise tag him right yeah yeah so we can control him for two more years so I think it's much more likely that they get a mid round guy development and then perhaps cut bait if they decide they can't afford Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, they're probably just waiting to see what the cap's going to be. I mean, this is the other thing that that, that sort of (laughs) put into the equation. No one knows what the cap's going to be in in 2023, 2024. Um, We know it is in 2022. So they can make predictions, but they don't know. So you know, with new TV deals coming in, it could be higher than they think. That gives them more flexibility. So I think they'll wait as long as they possibly can. And uh, you can't pay everybody, but I think they just love Tremaine Edmonds Here's the other thing to play into the mix that I think, you know, we hear people like Joe Marino talk about and um, Bruce Nolan talk about a lot. The size of Tremaine Edmonds, the sheer size of him Mm -hmm. takes away the middle of the field Mm -hmm. and we don't see those plays. It forces um, quarterbacks to play outside of the hash marks and that's something that your average fan isn't spotting isn't thinking about you know you're watching play to play you don't notice the trends but the, the more of analytics orientated people they do see that and i think he's incredibly hard to replace and there's a value in that that isn't measured in sacks and tackles for a loss um and, and you know flashy plays just by taking that center away because he is such a humongous human being um yeah. so i think that it's a really interesting debate I think there are some interesting players in this uh, in this linebacker class but I'm not expecting them to take one of the first couple of rounds although I, was, I have to say I do have a soft spot for Chad Moomer
0: Maybe after a draft, we'll have to have an episode that we talk about because we've talked about it before, you know, before um, we renewed Stefan Diggs, uh, probably last episode, we talked about it, that how are we going to fit all of these guys in moving forward? You know, Jordan Mm. Poyer's got a new agent, he's looking for a new contract. I just can't see, you know, Bean's a wizard. We know he's done an incredible job since he took over as a Bills GM, but. You can't pay everyone and there's going to have to be, at some point, sacrifices made. I thought last season was when they would start not being able to pay. I thought Matt Milano I was pretty sure he wasn't going to come back because sure. Tremaine Edmonds was, you know, the main you know, middle linebacker. And, you know, they'd have to pay him eventually. He got his contract and everything. So we'll have to talk about it. it was at some point, something's got to give and someone's got to is going to have to leave. Well,
1: so I want to move on to safeties in a minute, but just before yeah. we do, I'd want to just touch on a couple of other linebackers, yes. yeah. but there is an interesting question. Here. If you were given the choice of, of maybe trading away Tremaine Edmonds for draft capital or Jordan Poyer for draft capital, this, this draft, you know, but we, we might do if we have time do like a crazy scenario pod in the run up yeah. to the draft where we just talk mm-hmm. about like what if scenarios, you know, things that don't seem very likely, but what if, you know, they trade away Jordan Poyer to pick up another first round pick or Tremaine Edmonds maybe to get a second round pick. Um, who would you choose if you just, if Bean decides I can only pay one of these guys, who do you pick? Trayman's the younger guy, potentially still with more ceiling to hit. Poyer's probably hit his ceiling, but he's absolutely crucial to the way that the Bills play. You know, those two safeties are, have been so phenomenal, but he's much older. Yeah. What would you
0: do? Oh, that's such a difficult question, isn't it? As you've illustrated there, like, I feel like they're both really hard to replace. Um, Um, Something that you didn't mention about Tremaine Edmonds as well. I think what he'd been two time captain of the Mm -hmm. football team as well. You know, he's been, you know, and at age 23, the fact they traded up for him. um, But then, you know, Jordan Poyer, he's. In you know, an all pro safety, and you know, they've given him a contract. Was it only last season they, they gave him another extension, but it wasn't, it's season only like a one or year or, or season, before, something like that. But they've extended him since he's been, yes, you know, since he signed. So it's really difficult to know what they're going to do. Um, that is for two spots that you think, you know, because you had you think of those two players and then Ed Oliver as well. I'm pretty sure if I was to tear him, Ed would be Dawson Knox as well. Dawson Knox, yeah. Um, uh, it's, I guess difficult. it's so tricky. It's so tricky. Well, I tell you what
1: I would do. I, I would trade away J- uh, Jordan Poyer simply due to the age factor. And I also think that what this What you get for him though. You said a first round pick. I can't even see us getting like maybe even a-, a day two pick. He's he an all-pro. Get- He's
0: an all-pro. I know. I mean, but- if you look
1: at what other safeties that are all pros of, you know,
0: that level have gone for. But, yeah. But you've mentioned the age. He's what, 30, 31? Yep. He- and Who, you know, the other teams will have the leverage because they'll be, you know, if Bills make calls to try and trade him, they're going to offer peanuts. As we're seeing with Baker Mayfield almost, you know, they've lost leverage because the Browns have lost leverage because they've not got a market there. And not saying that John Poi, you know, is clearly an all pro safety, but his age and as you say, what is... What would be the compromise? You know, what the bills would want something high. Teams would be like, you know, the salary cap is the salary cap. I just can't. I don't know. I just we might get a day two pick, but people will pay. Well,
1: people will pay uh, all pro safeties. I think we've we've seen that. Absolutely, Um, it's it's not a. This is interesting. It's not a premium position. So we we talked earlier in previous pods about premium positions. You know, edge rushers, offensive tackles, quarterbacks. you know, it, it it isn't a premium position, and actually neither's middle linebacker, if we're honest. But um, I would back the Bills to be able to replace Jordan Poyer more easily than Tremaine Edmonds, um, mm. especially given the fact that Tremaine Edmonds I still think has some development left in him, and I think that they, they might have to make they might have to choose because remember if they if they renegotiate Poyer's contract and give him a lot more money, who's the next person banging on the door? It's going to be Micah Hyde. <laughs> so, yeah. and I actually think of the two, and everybody knows that I'm a massive Micah Hyde fan. Um, I think he's incredibly smart and I think he really, he's the guy that really yeah. runs this defense. I would back Micah Hyde because I think even though he's a little bit older, he's also doing a job which I think is a little bit less susceptible to injuries and probably can play a little bit longer. You know, he's not necessarily playing that, you know, down the box role as, as often as Poyer is. But you, you probably, gonna to have to pay my guide if you pay Poyer. So I think mm. I think it's incredibly difficult. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I
0: was favouring that as well. I think yeah. if I was tier, I'm to him, I'd say top player out of a four, Ed Oliver would be probably first, then Tremaine Edmonds, then Jordan um, Dawson Knox, then Jordan Poyer.
1: Yeah, I probably probably, I probably agree with that. All right, yeah. let's, we got a little bit sidetracked, but it was an interesting yeah, debate anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of other sort of linebackers, I especially... Uh, Chad
0: Muma, Brian Asamoah, Leo yeah, Chanel, they're I, guys that kind of look, that like, stand out to exactly, me and play
1: too. Yeah, exactly. I'm not high on Christian Harris at all. I don't think he's the right fit for what the Bills are looking for. Leo Chanel, um, I think he's a, an interesting prospect, probably a round three guy. He's really good versus the run. Yeah. Um, very good. Blitzer, um, physical, bulky guy. He's two hundred and fifty pounds, 6'2". Um, He's quick. He, he could be an interesting uh, option, but pro- you know, probably not a coverage guy. And I think the Bills do value that. But if you wanted a, some you know, down in the box, um, you know, just just go and get at the quarterback kind of guy, uh, stop the run, sort of thing. That to be honest, AJ Klein was doing. He'd be interesting, But I, it feels like it's not round three importance for the bills, that kind of position.
0: Um, mm.
1: Going a little bit further down, there's somebody like, you know, maybe a Brandon Smith who's very athletic, um, really high RAS, but perhaps missing some of those sort of game instincts, the kind of um, yeah. football IQ aspect doesn't really pop on film, if I'm honest. Um, and then maybe just a little bit further down, there's people like uh, DeMarco Jackson, who I know has had a visit. Yep. Um, I haven't yep. had a chance to watch much film on him yet. And, no. um, but, uh, or maybe someone like Chance Campbell, quite like Chance Campbell and Micah McFadden, probably sixth round uh, guys. Actually, yeah. there's some really interesting guys in the sixth round. It's sort of, you want those developmental people. Michael McFadden, Chance Campbell, Mike Rose, all sort of sixth round prospects, all sort of 6'2". Um, Michael McFadden, is a downhill guy, big hits, athletic, pretty decent he, coverage, but doesn't miss a few
0: yeah, he had a second amount of pressures in college um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of seasons. Michael McFadden, so uh, clearly he's pretty good on the blitz. So that could be something interesting.
1: Yeah, just a bit raw and uh, does miss some tackles. We know how you know that frustrating that is for Bills Mafia. Uh, yeah. Chance Campbell, old miss um, against 6-2, 233. Perhaps more of an outside guy, which I don't think it's perhaps where the Bills are are picking. But maybe if they're looking to praise I.J. Klein, um, Good production. He's very athletic. Very solid against the run. Decent in coverage. But, you know, I don't know. Is he long enough uh, to play middle linebacker? I'm not sure. Um, and Mike Rose, again, really good athletic guy. Good Raz. Good in coverage, good range, good sort of sideline, sideline kind of play. Game maybe a bit developmental. Needs to make better decisions against the run and sort of making sure he's in the right lanes. But there are some really interesting sixth round guys uh, in Michael McFadden, Chance Campbell, and Mike Rose. And if we didn't pick anybody until the sixth round at linebacker, and we, we picked up one of those three guys, I, I trust the Bills to develop them and um, turn them into something. So yeah, interesting to see uh, how that plays out. Yeah, that's good. Great. So let's move on to safeties then. Uh, so you know, let's go back to the sort of logic. You know, why is safety a position we've kind of talked already about? Jordan Poyer potentially being mm-hmm. um, uh, someone who could be out the door. Um,
0: any thoughts on and uh, that we haven't already shared on safeties? Um, not particularly. There's some safeties I do quite like in the first round. Um, Daxton Hill. He's mm. my He's my second safety. I've got Carl Hamilton. He's ranked as my top player in, in the class. Not, not going to drop to yeah. us, Carl Hamilton, though, is he? No, <laughs> okay. no, he isn't. So. He's 6'4", Hill. 220.
1: I mean, yeah. Carl Hamilton's yeah. film is just he's, amazing. Just just, yeah, just he, absolutely
0: amazing. He's had a lot of criticism recently because of his testing. But, I, you know, a lot of people are saying he's got flaws in his game. But, you know, just look at the size and, you know, the, the, the film as well. Just his recognition or plays. What,
1: what is his testing? I haven't looked at his testing. What is it in his testing? Testing that um he
0: was kind of led to criticism is he not as quick as people expected or yeah, that, yeah okay uh, that was that was it i can't remember the, i think he's in the four fives four five maybe yeah. four five late, yeah. late four five something like that um but I'm not too bothered his functional athleticism he looks a bit quicker you know on film uh, it's not just that but it's his mental you know his, his game speed yeah it's the mental game speed isn't it you know can, just how he recognises and a four or five
1: guy can look a lot quicker if they're incredibly good at diagnosing what's going on um mm. so yeah, I mean just I mean again if you want to watch some great film on safeties, watch Cal Hamilton. He's an absolute freak. 6'4, 220, brilliant, can do everything. I, I love yeah. Cal Hamilton. Yeah. But I, Jackson Hill though, I, I
0: think he's I love him too. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my guys. <laughs> he's he's great, my seventh he? ranked player in the class. And I think the consensus on, on him is he'll be drafted, you know, in the 20s at some point. But mm. I think he's outstanding. I think he's a he's a fantastic athlete. You can see that on the film, and his testing's really good as well um he's quick he's as a, well isn't he very quick 4'3 guy
1: um kind can do everything
0: versatile he flies on off the ball you know he's, he's able to do so many things he's a secure tackler you know he looks a bit bulkier than six foot 190 pounds like you know that size might put people off a little bit um but i just feel like his iq as well I, just, I from what i could see on this film there wasn't any weaknesses there he was able to um you know Recognize route concepts and you know, feed that back to his cornerbacks and you know, the defense. You know, I feel like he could be a captain of the defense and a bit of a Swiss army knife. You know, I feel like yeah, he could do pretty much everything. You well, know? There's, there's a number of people that have mentioned
1: that they think he could play cornerback, um, yes, yeah. And it wouldn't, we've touched on this in the past, there, a couple on our. A wild card kind of scenario could be the Bills actually draft Daxon Hill because he does drop to us and maybe the other cornerbacks don't and they think we're going to play you a corner and we're yeah. going to have that sort of more, bit more of a chess piece option. I um, wouldn't completely surprise me. Um, and I think it'd be quite exciting, actually, because I think he's just a fantastic player. And I think if you've got an opportunity to draft a player like Daxton Hill, you do. you <laughs> will feel like great. a glove in our defense as well. I think yeah, it'd, it'd, absolutely. It'd absolutely just be so good. The other guy that's kind of ranked in the first round for people who are interested is Jaquan Brisker, Jaquan Brisker, Penn State, 6'1", um, 191. He's a, he's a walking highlight reel. <laughs> go, go watch his film. I mean, talk about big plays. Um, again, can play anywhere, really good instincts, long... Just a really well-rounded guy. Um, probably would be available to the Bills if they wanted to take him
0: at 25. Yeah, um, definitely, yeah. Um, I but- felt like he was more of a weak side linebacker. I feel like his size mm-hmm. um, and how well he played in the box as a safety, I feel like he could that, – that's more his role in the NFL is possibly like a weak side linebacker, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's an intriguing player. Lewis Seen yep. as well, another Georgia. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many players are going to get drafted uh, from this defense. It's going to be pretty crazy, like six or seven um, from that Georgia defense. <laughs> uh, he's fun to watch and film as well. Um, not fantastic in, in coverage, but downhill. Mm-hmm. He's a 4'3 speed kind of guy, 6'2, 200 pounds, thumper. What would you say about Lewis Seen and
1: you probably watch more film than I do. I think he's I think he's a strong safety type, sort of you know, a yeah. sort of alternative. Yeah. Yeah. You know, aggressive, tackles well. But yeah, I think a lot of his quarterback hits. If you watch what's happening with that Georgia defense, they open up big lanes for him. He's not uh-huh. somebody that I saw a lot of evidence of him sort of you know um, using sort of trickery and, and, and intelligence to get around um, offensive linemen. He seemed to be benefiting from a, what was a really good Georgia. Uh, defensive line if that it, it, it I,
0: maybe I'm wrong but that mm-hmm. looks to me my take um as I said you probably watch more film than I have on him I think that's fair um okay. and he's someone that you don't want necessarily as a single high safety you know he's not no for sure like as I said yeah. he's not someone that's good he's not a Michael Hyde you know he's not but he could be a compliment you know that's why I mentioned him you know he could be as you said that Jordan P- Poyer replacement um hopefully he doesn't go but you know what what draft was it? What the uh, was it twenty nineteen that they wanted for uh, a guy that was a division two guy that went to um the Patriots, uh Duggar, Carl Duggar. They, oh, yeah. a lot a of interest guy, yeah. Yeah, around him and he got picked in the thirties in that draft. So and we know, the Bills know liked they liked Carl could. Duggar, they were a very interesting Carl Duggar, weren't they? So And Lewis has yeah. had a visit as well, yep. so it's worth he mentioning has. that. So he's on their radar.
1: The other guy that I want to pick out who's also had a visit is Brian – sorry, Nick Cross uh, from Mm -hmm. Maryland. Um, Six foot, 212. He can also play linebacker. Um, You know, he's got that sort of size, incredibly versatile, hits hard, athletic, ball hawk, you know, really good raz. Again, developmental guy got some technical flaws that probably needs to be worked on but he feels like the kind of guy that McDermott would just love to develop um, yeah and yeah I really like Nick cross I think he would be a really interesting pick for us perhaps in the third or, or early fourth round um, just a really interesting option um, and just gives you a lot of again again that sort of chess piece you can kind of do you can mold him into kind of what you wanted him to be I think mm-hmm. yeah not not a lot of other guys that's going to stand out I, I, I haven't looked deep into sort of the fifths and sixth rounds in terms of safeties. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think we, we mentioned some names, Daxon Hills that came to look out for Lewis Seam for sure.
0: And then, uh, then Nick cross, um, there is another safety that could be converted into a cornerback. That I've heard a lot about Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh. Yep, heard a lot of hype about him. Another more high of an IQ kind of cornerback.
1: I'm not sure he's got the length. That's what I would say.
0: He's 5'11, um, 200 pounds. So I don't know about his like his you know wingspan. I don't length. know how big.
1: I think he's more of an. Ins- but... I think he's more of a. Okay. Yeah, I think he's more of a strong safety, perhaps. Um, yeah. yeah. Sort of that that disruptive run defending tackler, not. He's, well, his athleticism, I think, is okay, but it is it's pretty much average. Um I think he's I think he's more of a, I think he's more of a, a, a safety, but he has played mostly corner. You're absolutely right. I just think he's a okay. nice, bit more of an inside guy. Um, yeah, yeah good, good shout. Um, maybe one if what late-round option, someone like Amari Carter from Miami. Um 6'2, 200 pounds. Again, another positionless guy, very aggressive, hits hard. Gets through contact really well. You know, he, he sheds blocks really well, which is obviously something that I think is important um, for those downhill guys. Gives away a lot of penalties. <laughs> Perhaps his processing isn't isn't as good as it, it could be, but very yeah. interesting option as a developmental guy. I, I'd really like him, Ari Carter. These, and, uh, these
0: day three safeties are like six foot plus of uh, special teams, like guys, aren't they? Yeah, they're a yeah, the core special team yeah, that you're yeah. looking at. Because I know Smoke Monday tends to get the best name in the draft, by the way, Smoke Monday <laughs> for Morgan, six foot three, 200 pounds. He, used, he regularly gets mocked by Bill's Mafia because he's a special teams kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce his first name. Juan, Juan. Juan J. One Juan Hey? Well, he done, one done hey, that so much better than the and me. But yeah, Juan <laughs> one,
1: well, one, Hey Thomas. One
0: yeah, hey. From, yeah, one hey Thomas. What a name. Uh for Georgia Tech, six for three, two 220 pounds nearly. He's another guy that's regularly mopped as well. It's I mean, like physically a he's a linebacker.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. with that profile, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, well, I think yeah, we covered some some serious ground there. So yeah, um, some interesting options for the build in all three positions. We talked a lot about cornerbacks, uh, a little bit about uh, linebackers and safety. I think what happens at linebacker and safety is going to tell us a lot about what they think they want to do with with, with those two positions moving forward. And this is one of the interesting things I think about um, the draft is it tells you a story. It tells you what the Bills think about the players that they have and what they want to do with the team. And yeah. there's no hiding This isn't McDermott telling you nothing in a press conference. This is this is the team saying this is what we want the Bills to be. Mm. And um yeah, it, it's it's very obvious what they pick and why they pick and it tells you a story. Um so yeah. Any players we haven't mentioned you wanna wanna finally talk about uh, at all? Uh,
0: I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered everyone I was hoping to speak about. So no to. So
1: we'll be back in a few days and we're going to talk about the trenches. We'll go in in, uh, offensive line, defensive line mostly focused on the interior guys, of course, because I think we generally feel that we're not going to draft, draft a sense to get tackles, offensive tackle high. And I don't think we're going to uh, draft uh, another edge rusher. I hope, well, but maybe we will, we'll, we'll touch on them perhaps, but um, we'll focus more on the inside uh, interior guys. But um, yeah, interesting to get into the trenches. It's very different as a film watcher to watch those sort of positions. Um, but um, definitely, I think we both agree that we would like some, Depth at guard. Um, maybe we might even go guard in the in the first round. So it could be an interesting position for us. So so look out for that. We'll be back uh, with you in a few days to talk about that position, and then we'll get into some mocks. Um, I'm trying to do a mock a day at the moment. I think you do the same, and uh, <laughs> yeah, much. it's got a very addictive process. Again, so on the mock draft machine. If you want a draft network, one is the one I'd recommend. I think it's, uh, well, it's, it's good as good as there is out there, and I, I think that the 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 detail they present about players feels uh, yeah fairly in line with what I see with my own eyes. So I like that that one. But um, yeah, yeah, really good fun to do some mock drafts, and we'll do some of those live uh, with you, and maybe even have a couple of guests on between now and the draft. As I said, if we have time, we will do like. Outside the box, thinking weird scenario stuff, um, what might happen that perhaps no one's expecting. Um, So if you've got any of those you want to challenge us with, again, please get in touch with us. Probably the easiest way is send us a DM on Bills from Afar Twitter, and um, and we'll we'll try and cover that off if we get the time before now in the draft. Just two weeks to go, as you said, so exciting times for for certainly us draft
0: last one for me just shout out to our sister podcast wed white and buffalo blues podcast it was their 200th episode that they've just aired and uh, put out there for uh, everyone to listen to so go listen to that congratulations to uh, Matt and uh, obviously Alex who's come and gone Um, Mark and Robin as well for that achievement that's uh, four years they've been going so uh, that's pretty impressive so, well done, chaps.
1: Yeah, we're uh, just zoning in our first year, aren't we?
0: Yeah, <laughs> So we uh,
1: are. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a few years behind. But, um, yeah, well, congratulations to uh, to Matt and the team. Uh, and, um, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll still be going into in another three years too. If we're not fed up for each other by that point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good stuff. Well, yeah, thanks again for listening. If you got this deep, we're well into, I think, an hour of, of, of pod. And uh, really appreciate you taking the time and, and listening to, uh, to what we're doing here. Uh, we will be back in a few days to talk more draft. So, until then, go
0: Bills. Hey, Bills.